we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Hi everybody, this is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, I'm doing great over here, uh, sunny South Florida. Even though you won't see the show for a little bit, this past week, I, you know, I always comment on the weather. What can I say? It's I'm 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 happy. You know, like I said, I'm I'm the <laughs> cold weather wimp. Then this is in the 50s and very cold. But then I see what's going on in Chicago up in the Northeast. Uh, what is that? Arctic blasts and people getting their Canadian goose jackets stolen off of them in the street. Yeah, I'm glad I'm down here. But anyway, guys, the good thing about tonight, besides the wonderful weather here in South Florida, is the guest that I have. And this is a gentleman who, of course, has worked in the paranormal, is familiar with the paranormal. And uh, I'm going to bring him on and I'll give you a little bit of bio on him. Uh, his name is Al Santariga. Okay, and he is a founder of Global Executive Director Investigations, and he uh, he's been married for 28 years, has two kids. He's worked for the U.S. government for the last 27 years, and he's already ahead of the curve. He had his first UFO sighting in the summer of 1972 at the age of 10. Okay. And then he's also had a Bigfoot sighting in the summer of 74 when he was 12 uh, down here in Florida. We're definitely going to ask Al about that. And he had his first insectoid sighting in the fall of 1990 while working off the aqueduct in North Yonkers, New York. Okay, he's had a lot of paranormal experiences, which we're going to ask him about, absolutely. And he also is the founder of... Of Bronxville Paranormal Society. So, let me bring him on. How are you doing today, Al? How are you doing tonight? 
No, Marlene, you're too kind. Uh, thank you very much for that intro. Um, uh, wow, it just humbled me. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No, on the contrary, it is my pleasure. And, you know, I, I'll usually I ask my guests, did you have experiences as a kid? But <laughs> we're, we're beyond that. But, um, you know, what, uh, how, what was that first experience that you had? Was it something, like most things when you're a kid, that it just dropped in your lap kind of thing? Well, yeah, well, you yeah, gotta understand. Um, my mother was a, my mother used to have premonitions all the time. She would have premonitions. So she was connected to the paranormal and, and that way. I mean, of course I didn't comprehend it at 10 years old, but who was a parapsychologist today. Mm-hmm. He was, he was an, he was an investigator, you know, so there was always books in the house about UFOs, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster, all of that stuff. So I was hooked at, at an early age and, um, Excuse me. As far me and my best friend Rich were just it was like one summer night. He was sleeping over my house and my father uh, a garage, an A-frame garage, and we were just laying on the garage roof. Him on the south side, me on the north side of the roof, going between us, listening to some music and uh, sky watching. We're big sky watchers. Always was a big sky watcher. For some reason, I just feel like I'm connected to the heavens, to the stars. I don't know why. And we were just watching, watching the sky one night, and all of a sudden we seen, I seen like these three balls of light dancing in the sky. And I was like, "Hey, Rich, check this out." So he jumped over on my side of the roof, and we were just checking it out. And you know, they were way up there. They looked like stars, so we knew they weren't planes. We, you know, living down in the city, New York. Yeah, okay. we see planes coming and going all the time from every different direction. We know what a plane looks like. And these things, so my father had this huge um, spotlight in the garage that he used to, use to go crabbing with. And um, so I jumped, I jumped off the garage and I got the spotlight to watch this, you know. And um, I did like a little Morse code with it. Really? And uh, yeah, and when I did this Morse code with it, these three ball points of light all stopped to stop dead oh. like they seen them so you know rich has let me try so then rich does uh, like a, a morse code kind of thing with it you know and um morse code back it does the same code back so we're freaking out you know like holy holy crap man you know you know what is this and so i said give me the light back so then i do enough a little Morse code kind of thing with it. And one of the points of light just dropped straight out of the sky. It went from being as high as a star to just above where the, the planes, uh, the planes, uh, what do you call that? The, the air traffic was. Okay. It would just be above like the air traffic. And, uh, and it just dropped straight down. And we freaked out. We were like, oh, my God. Got and you know he has this ball of light in the sky, brighter than any star, and and it's just hovering, you know, above, you know, I don't know what the, how high the, the the air traffic is at that point down, right, thousand feet above the sky, 
And we just freaked out. We just freaked out. We thought, oh, man, we're going to get abducted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> jumped off. We jumped off the garage roof. We ran in my bedroom and we hid under the bed. And we laid there for a couple hours. You know, my father came and said, what's wrong with you guys, you know? And we told him what happened. And he just laughed because he thought it was nonsense, you know? And uh, Yeah, and, what is it? Nobody yeah. listens. Nobody believes the kids. My father, my father was a World War II hero. You know, he had all kinds of purple hearts and all this stuff. I didn't believe in any of that stuff. He didn't believe in ghosts or anything like that. And even though he seen one run right past his car. Really? Right through the, the engine block of his car. And he still didn't believe in ghosts, even though he knew, he knows what he's seen. But he would tell his ghost story with his best friend, who was like a tank commander in World War II. These two guys weren't afraid of anything. Okay. And can I, can his, you tell that his, story? Because that story sounds great. What, 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 would you retell that story? Oh, yeah. My father my father and his best friend, Angelo, um, both grew up in Yakuza. They both joined the, the, the... My father went into the, to the Army infantry and engineering thing. He was like an engineer. And... His friend went into the the tank the tank commander thing. So they both seen a lot of action all over the world, you know. And okay. so one one day after the war is over, they're back in Yonkers at uh, during uh, I think it's like January or February out and out at the the east end of Long Island. There's a little a fishing village called Montauk Point, and there at Montauk Point was an inlet. They had an old navy yard. It was uh, an abandoned navy yard from like the 1800s, you know, okay. because Montauk, uh, George Washington built the first lighthouse at, out, of Long, out of Montauk Point, out of Long Island. That was like the first one uh, uh, that he that was built in this country. So they were out there fishing because it was like this certain time of the year where these certain fish would come in, you okay. know, spawn or whatever. And it was the dead of winter. It was like February. They were freezing their ass off. And um, they had decided to go into the car to get a coffee break. It was in the wee hours, maybe 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh -huh. And to the right of them were the old um, hangars where they would work, uh, they would work on, the, on the boats, the Navy Yard boats, you know, the, the military uh, boats. Okay. And the story, the story has it, they didn't know the story about the hangars or anything. The, the back story on this Navy Yard was back in 17, 1800s, the commander of the Navy Yard's wife had an affair with one of the, the lovers, and they hung that other officer right there on the Navy Yard, right on the docks. Wow. So uh, that's, that was his punishment for fooling around with this guy's wife. So they hung them there. So my father and Angelo are sitting in the car eating the Italian combo, right? feet 12 o'clock in the morning one o'clock in the morning somewhere around that time and they start they see a light go on in the hangar now there's not even any electricity in that hangar anymore you know it's an old right. wooden hangar you know so the light goes on and they're like what the hell's going on in the hangar and the door like rattling like trying to open and and they, and they were just like dumbfounded. They couldn't. And my father's like, "All right, Angela, let's go see what's going on," you know. And Angela's like, "No, no, no. Let's see. <laughs> let's see what. Let's let's see what comes out." You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll so, wait over. <laughs> I thought it was people messing messing around. I'm gonna go rob these like fishing pole out on the dock and all their 
all their stuff, you know, their coolers and everything. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, the hangar door comes flying open like somebody kicked the thing open. And this ghostly apparition comes out of the hangar, goes through the fence, the gated fence of the hangar, and goes through my father's, uh, my father had a, a, a 65 Mustang at the time, and it went through his motor block, and it stopped right in the center of, of the car, half of it's ghostly apparition below the hood of the car, the other half above, looks into the car, and it's dressed like in an old military-style Navy uniform. Oh, wow. And it looks into the car, and it just starts moaning, like, oh, <laughs> oh God, And your father oh, was a non-believer Angel, after that? Angela freaks out and <laughs> says, okay. And my father's like, I'm not going nowhere until I get my fishing pole and all my stuff, you know, my net and everything. And my father didn't want to go. I mean, he was freaked out, but he didn't want to go. We go, we got to go. So um, they packed up their gear. They drove back to Yonkers, and uh, you know, they told the whole family story. You know, my father, my father thought it was a joke. He laughed about it. But Angelo, <laughs> Never I mean, went when back he told over there, this, I take it. when he told this story, this dude, even if it was, he would tear up. He would get he would get so emotional. He was so scared that he would tear up. Now he tells this story to my brother, who's a paranormal investigator at the time, and my brother tells his friends, "We got to go out to Montauk." I bet. So they go out to they go out to Montauk and they go take pictures of the hangar and they do EVPs. You know, they're working and everything. You know, back then it was all old school stuff. You know, no high tech electronics like today. And when right. I do my investigation, I always go both old school and new school. Anyway, my brother ends up at a, like an all-night diner, and he starts, you know, talking to the hangar, you know. And the guy told my brother the whole story about, you know, the history of the hangar and what it was built, and oh. about this. So that's my brother got the whole backstory on it, you know. Okay. But even even after my father seen that ghost, you know, literally on the other side of the windshield. He, he always claims he didn't believe in ghosts, but I don't know how you cannot believe in something when you've seen it with your own two eyes. You know what it is? I think sometimes to people like your dad, it's like, if I go with this, what else? You know, it's like, I'm afraid of opening that door because then what am I going to do? Yeah, my father was a no-nonsense kind of guy. You know, he ruled with an iron hand. And, you know, I just, I mean, seeing see, you, see it, you, you usually believe in it, but even that, you know, he was like, oh, we were tired. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. We were having coffee. But, you know, Angelo sitting right next. How many times Angelo was over at my house, you know, with his wife having coffee and cake. And I always asked him about this story, you know. And Angelo would swear on a stack of Bibles. And he was a God-fearing man that that night was the only, even all through all those times in the war, that night was the only night he ever seen a real ghost, you know. So I, I believe. I That's believe. That's usually what happens. People don't go looking for it, and it just it happens to them. It happens to them, and they. So anyway, you had, okay, the the, the UFO sighting, and then you in the you you're here down visiting in Florida, and then what happened when you were visiting your sister? Okay, um, every summer. Uh, my cousin Anthony and I would get shipped down to Florida. It was like our summer camp. Okay. okay? You know, people go, people send their kids away to summer camp. Well, <laughs> me and my, my father, 
send me and my cousin Anthony down to Florida to live to go to go stay with my sister. Okay. Husband Joe, who was a Joe was an ex Marine, and he always had a ton of stuff for us to do around the house every single day. We worked. We worked from eight o'clock in the morning until about one in the afternoon. Then he would say it's too hot to work, you know, you guys. But he always had to cut the grass, trim the hedges, mm-hmm. clean the pool, paint the house. I mean, he did stuff every single day. But you know, so but it wasn't it wasn't all it was it was a lot of fun too because they had the dad a you know built-in swimming pool and we you know they took us all over the place. We went to Disney World and Sea World and we did Florida Keys and the Gulf of Mexico. We did a lot. We seen a lot of stuff. We had a lot of good time. But that was our summer vacation. So. Okay. My sister lived in this development called Sunshine Acres in Davie, Florida. Okay. Now, in 1972, Davie, Florida was a, a one-horse town. Yes, still it had was. Dirt, still had dirt roads. And the biggest thing was 4th of July when the rodeo came to town. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. That yes. was the big thing in Davie, Florida. I remember looking forward to the rodeo every year because it was always hard to get out. So, but the one good thing about it is everybody who lived in the development, and this development was like a giant square, okay? You crossed over one of the canals, and it was this giant square, and it was like a four-mile square block. It was a mile in each direction. I and mean, I used to jog it every day, and it was, it was four miles. Good thing about it is every year you, you you met all the same kids, you know what I mean? Because these kids lived there, you know what right. I mean? You know what so people you, don't realize so, back then people didn't move around as much, so No, and everybody and, and everybody which you would call it forward to see out of the year, you know. Yeah. So when we get down there, first thing we do is hook up with all the guys and all the girls from the neighborhood and mm-hmm. you know, tell stories and BS and yada 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 and you know so we, you know we had a lot of friends in the neighborhood a couple of uh, dirt bikes and the Everglades was like right behind my sister's house yes. and we'd go riding in the Everglades on the dirt bikes and we'd have bonfires in there at night you know um, but you know everybody you know it was it was it was a, it was a really cool time um, well, my sister first moved to that development the first year. She lived right in the front of the development, and there wasn't really nothing happening in the front of that development. But when they built the second house, which we called the blue house, because the first house was green, when they built the blue house in the back of the, of the back of the Everglades, 
that's where that's where we had all our action with the Sasquatch, uh, the Skunk Ape. Well, one, one yeah. So one night we're sitting up, me and my cousin Anthony, we're watching you know TV, and my sister had two giant German shepherds, and the the front of the house on the side of the house around the backyard was all fenced in with like a six foot fence. But the actual front of the house was open with a circular driveway with a fountain. So there was no front fence in the front of the house, just on the sides of the back. And one night we're hanging out and all of going absolutely crazy. And you know, my cousin said, you better put the dogs in the garage for it. Wake the whole house up. We put the dogs in the garage and we smelled this really nasty smell go by the house. I mean, it was brutal. Um, so the next day, you know, but the next day we got up, we slept. My sister had a big day room and, and it had a pull-out couch with a queen-size giant picture window. And that's where we slept in the front of the house. So the next day we're, we're all sitting down for breakfast and we're telling them, yeah, something came by the house last night. Smelled, the dogs were crazy. We had to put them in the garage. And my sister, my brother-in-law said, must have been the skunk ape. You know, so me and my cousin Anthony, we look at my brother and I'm like, yeah, skunk ape. The hell's the skunk ape? And he says, ah, oh, you know, down here they called, they called the Sasquatch skunk ape. And we're looking at him, yeah, right, you know, this guy's pulling our, pulling our, you know, pulling our legs, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. No such thing as a skunk ape, you know. We, we knew about Bigfoot, but, you know, everybody always thought it was in the Pacific Northwest, you know. Right. And, and um. So after, you know, the, my brother-in-law left to go to work, my sister, he had a restaurant in town and it was a really a good restaurant, did a lot of business and he was always at the restaurant. So we asked the guys in the neighborhood, you know, we said, hey man, you know, did you smell that horrible smell last night? You know, did you guys smell it? We smelled it, yada, yada, yada. And everybody's like, oh yeah, it's just a skunk game. Like, well, what do you mean it's just a skunk game, you know? So yeah, it's, just, it's like this, you know, Bigfoot creature we have down here comes out during the hottest times in the summer. And that summer was unusually hot, so much so there was droughts, fires in the Everglades. The Everglades were burning and a lot of the wildlife was moving in away from the fire. Right. And uh, and um, so, you know, so they, these guys are like nonchalant about it. Like it was no big deal, happens all the time, you know? It's like, okay, you know? <laughs> Yeah, me and my cousin Anthony, like we're talking, like yeah, we we move, we come down to Florida to, to get killed by a monster. Now, meanwhile, we got we live we live in a, and we're gonna come down to Florida to get killed, you know, take my chances in the back alleyway in the Bronx, you know. Yeah, thanks. And uh, and um, so anyway, a few nights go by, and um, again, now it's later. It's later in the evening. And me and my cousin Anthony are laying in bed, you know, not really sleeping, just bullshitting. And the satchel lights go on in the front of the house. And all of a sudden, we see the biggest bipedal shadow walk across the front of our window. It's a huge picture window that had a shade on it pulled down. We see this giant shadow walk across the window. Okay. And then it stops. So we're both looking at this shadow, like, what the hell? So I jump off the bed and I roll, I roll on the floor. I do like an army crawl to the window and I'm peeking on the window because I got to see what the hell this is. Again, the dogs start going ballistic. Cousin Anthony's dragging the dogs into the garage and um, I'm peeking out the window and there's this nine foot 
900 pounds staring into the I think it, it sees me at the corner of the window, you know, and it does this like incredible Hulk flex and it screams this blood curdling scream oh, that just power and my cousin Anthony's like just frozen solid. He's not moving. He's in the doorway and he's not moving and I'm thinking the thing is looking at me, but in hindsight, you'll be 2020. It probably seen its reflection in the glass and thought it was okay. another Sasquatch. Okay. You know, and they were like a territorial thing. But I don't know that. I think the thing is screaming at me, so I freak out. I close the screen. So it starts to walk around uh, the right. We had an empty lot next to us. There was uh, nothing, there wasn't a home, any homes built there as of yet. It had a wild watermelon pack. This thing is walking along the side of the house. So me and my cousin, we run into the bathroom that was uh, on that side of the house. We keep the we keep the lights off so you can't see in. And as this thing turns the corner, it's walking along the six foot fence. And that's how I gauge the height of you. Okay. That was like three feet taller than the fence. It's walking along the fence and it's looking at us. And we're looking at it, but we're thinking there's no way it can see us because. The screen is tinted. The window is tinted. We got the light off, you know. But this thing is looking at us as it's walking along the fence line. Oh, my God. Kneels down and grabs a wild, grabs a wild watermelon, takes a bite out of it, and literally the whole thing is there's nothing left but two nubs on each hand. Throws it on the ground and walks towards the back of the house. As he hits the back of the house, the sense of light's going to the back. We run out. The, the bands when we run out into the patio, my sister had a screened-in patio and a, a, like a, a pool on the outside with another patio on the outside. Right. We're, inside, we're inside the patio with all the lights off again, thinking that it can't see us. But as you know, I, what I forgot to mention, when it screamed, all I could see was its face. I mean, I had seen the whole body, but I was locked onto its eyes, and its eyes were red. Now, I don't know if it was red because of the reflection of the spotlights in its eyes or if it just had red eyes. But anyway, it's walking along the side of the house. Now, behind our house, our neighbor had a man-made lake. Now, we used to swim in a man-made lake all the time because the water in a man-made lake was a lot cooler than it was at the pool. Okay. This thing squats down, puts one hand down to support itself, takes the other hand, cuffs it, and starts drinking the water out of the the man-made lake all the time looking back at us like it's watching us and we're looking at it and then it gets up and it walks off to an angle like a southeast angle towards the swamp where we ride our dirt bikes and we take the horses out <laughs> on um because we used actually down the street uh doing like uh tours of the everglades of the swamps right. horseback riding because we used to love riding horses and so it heads back to the swamps where we hang out at night. So we're freaking out. I can. So the next day, you're into bliss. You didn't know. I was like, oh man. Then the next day, you know, we tell all the guys in the neighborhood. This thing came by the house. The fifth, like 18-inch footprints out in the sand. My brother-in-law says he's gonna come home for lunch from the restaurant with some plaster of Paris. He wants to make footprints and put them up on his bar in the house. You know, like so. Um, so did you go back out? <laughs> I can imagine you must have not been too thrilled to go back out in that area anymore. Well, you know what? We 
we didn't feel we never we never felt that we were in danger during the day when we were out there. You know, if we were riding our dirt bikes back there, or we would just we never felt like we were in danger. You know what I mean? But at night was a different thing. I mean, put it this way: the bonfires that we used to stay out there till like eleven and twelve uh-huh. started started like. We started going back, like to the house around ten. You know what I yeah. mean? We didn't stay. We didn't stay out there after that. So then a few nights go by, and um, so a rancher down the street. There was a there was a horse rancher down the street who just picked up this new uh, Mustang or stallion or whatever it was from like uh, Wyoming or Montana or something. Okay. He put he couldn't put it in the stables with the other horses. Because it would kick and it would make all the other horses nervous, okay. so he left it out. Left it out in the corral at night, and he had a Seminole Indian come in every day to work this because he couldn't ride it. It was wild. Okay. And one night, we're sitting out. We're sitting, uh, it was around twelve o'clock, I would say, because Joe had just got home from the restaurant. He always used to bring home a couple of pies for us. We'd always have like a couple of pizzas like twelve o'clock at night, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting out in the patio. Um, eating the pizzas, and we hear, we hear, boom, blowing off, you know? So we run to the front of the house, and, you know, you can see the shots being fired from the from the horse ranch's uh, stables, you know? Okay. And so we jump on our dirt bike. Now, one of our best friends was that guy's son. That's how we used to take the tours out. So we jump on our dirt bikes and we head on over to see what's right. going on, you know. We get there, the stallion's not in the corral, it's out in the pasture. So we're, we're asking, we're asking our friend, we're saying, hey, you know, Timmy or whatever his name was, what's going on, what's going on? He says, oh, try to try to kill the, the, new, the new horse, you know. My, the horse started, you know, um, uh, making all kinds of noise. Came out, took a couple of shots at it, and the creature ran off into the swamp. So calls sheriff, yada, yada, yada. We leave. Next day we go back. Everybody's still there, you know. Everybody's still there. And uh, so this Native American goes out to the pasture, and he gets the the horse, the Mustang, we call it a Mustang, and he brings it back to the corral. And when he brings it back to the corral, this horse has got handprints on its hind quarter. Oh, my God. Not scratches, not scratches, but handprints like it something grabbed this horse from behind so hard to hold it down but the stallion must have kicked out okay and, and got away from the creature and then jumped the crown i guess once it got into the ground this creature couldn't catch it right so we were free you know the native americans like the, the seminal indians say like i never seen anything like this you know what i mean i was about handprints to ask are, you you know did the seminal give his two cents worth as in yeah we know our Hmm. Well, you know, they knew they knew what it was. They knew it was right, disgusting. right. But we've never seen you know anything like this. Where you know, first of all, the horse was such a nervous wreck to begin with. How does something nine feet tall, yes. uh, nine hundred pounds, creep up on it to get close enough to grab it? It's beyond my comprehension. I couldn't. Right. It was mind boggling. All right, so then. So then the sheriff says, okay, we're going to stop picking up the patrol in the neighborhood. You guys are having a lot of action out here, you know. And me and the deputy will be patrolling at night, yada, yada, yada. So, okay, no problem. So a couple of days go by. It's been quiet. No big deal. And my sister and my brother had friends from New York 
took them out to Miami for a night out of town. And me and my cousin Anthony stayed home, babysit the kids, you know. And um, they were rolling into the, they were rolling into the house around one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And um, they're getting out of the car, and of course, you know, how dogs are they run to the door barking and everything. So we right. oh, we go outside, and my brother had just bought this brand new Lincoln Continental, I don't know, Mark whatever number it was, Mark Five or whatever, right. and it had the sunroof, the whole nine yards. And every they're they're getting out of the car and they're asking he's asking any action tonight he's like no nah, no action tonight quiet night no sooner than we say that we hear the most horrific cry that you ever heard it was just such a weird crazy loud scream cry I don't know how to do, how to explain it but it was just crazy it just gave, sent chills down your spine all of a sudden. You, we're looking up the street now to our northeast is a cattle rancher. Okay. And this guy really didn't like us because I'll be brutally honest. Every time we came around the corner on our dirt bikes, we would rip up his grass because we would take <laughs> such wide because we dirt bikes and we couldn't cut the, we couldn't cut a tight turn. We'd have to take a while. My brother-in-law was always resodding this guy's property. You know what I mean? Like, okay. So he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't fans of us. But this guy had this huge white brown in his in his pasture for the cows, okay. and this bull was a monster. It had the hump in its neck, and it was just uh, the big. It, it looked it was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. You know what I mean? It was a huge bull, just just a monster of a, of a of a. And so we we see we had a shotgun going off and everything, and um, so my brother says, "Son, my cousin Anthony Messenger side, he riding shotgun. I'm in the back. I'm hanging out at the moonroof. Come around the corner, and she says we come around the corner. The depth for us on his nightly patrol. Okay. And he's going really slow, like five miles. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We want to race to see what's going on, and he's going slow, and he's got his spotlight, and he's looking towards the swamp to the left. That's what the swamp was to see if the, anything was out there. He's going real giant or whatever, and the creature comes running out from between a couple of houses oh. from the right, and the deputy hits it, and th this car looked like it hit a, a telephone pole because it just stopped dead. Creature stumbles back, takes down like a, a bus sign or something, you know, like 
for the children's bus signs, one of those right, yellow right, signs, right. takes down one of those signs. The deputy is like, I'm looking at it. I'm sticking out the window. My brother hits it with the high beams. It gets up, limps up. deputy's car. And now at the far end of the block, and, uh, you know, like I said, each block was like a mile long. You can right. see the headlights from the sheriff turning the corner. He's coming down, okay? And this thing walks over to the deputy's car. It's limping. Walks over to the car, looks at the deputy, blood-curdling scream, oh. and punches punches the front of the police car with hammer punches so hard that the back of the car comes off the ground. The deputy is in shock. My brother-in-law's got everything lit up with the high beam, so we can see the deputy. The, the sheriff used to carry the shotgun in between the two the two riders. The shotgun was on inside the inside the, the cab of the car. It wasn't in the truck like they carry it now. And you can see right. the shotgun being lit up, and the deputy's just standing there with his hands on the wheel. And this creature looks at him, limps, and now the the sheriff rolls up and he sees the police car totaled. He's like, what the hell happened? You know? And, he, and the deputy is telling him, Oh, the skunk, I hit the skunk ape with the police car, you know? And the sheriff is like, shoot him. You know? Like, no, nah, I didn't shoot him. You know? Yeah. Like, thanks. Just... Then they started, but then he starts asking us, did you guys see it? And he's taking our statement because now he's got to write out a statement for the insurance because the, the police car is totaled, you know? So we're we're giving our statement to the to the sheriff. The deputies give a chance, you know, and the sheriff is like, "Why didn't you shoot it?" And he's like, "This this the shotgun wouldn't have done anything, you know. This thing was just too big, you know." At the same time, the cattle rancher comes racing up the street in his pickup truck, and he's screaming and yelling, "You got to see what that goddamn monster did to my prize bull!" Now I'm thinking, "What the hell could this thing have done to that bull? That bull was a beast." Well, out of weight, 2,500 pounds, you know what I mean? Oh so, sheriff says, so the sheriff says, all right, finish, definitely finish writing out the report. I'm going to go to this guy's house, see what happened. So we follow the sheriff back to the to the cattle rancher's house. Right. We, and he's flashing his spotlight on his car across the pasture. There in the middle of the pasture is the bull's torso bleeding out. Oh, my God. So he's like, where the hell is the bull's head? He's shining his spotlight or there in the far corner yards away is the bull's head. This creature ripped the bull's head right off of his body and then threw it across the pasture. I guess it makes you wonder, was it sick? What was going on that it decided, you know, oh my God. Well, I'm thinking maybe the bull seen it in it in the in the pasture and was trying to protect the cows. You know, Could be. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. territorial, and may have charged this creature, and this oh, creature man. somehow, you know, sidestepped it or whatever and grabbed it by the head and ripped its head out off. Um, so we can't. I, I'm, you know, because I used to jog that that route every day. I would see that. Well, there was a time where one of the people in the neighborhood had this giant um, St. Bernard. Right. And this woman was coming home for groceries. She hit the fence. Gate opened up. I'm running by the house. And the St. Bernard comes charging out after me. I have to jump over the four-foot fence to the pasture where the cows are. Now the bull is looking at me like, what the hell are you doing here? 
So and you're running thinking, away from Cujo and you end up. <laughs> Daddy, what do I do? I'm, 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 I got this. My right. And I got this bull just staring at me. But I know enough that bulls are nearsighted that I, if this thing charges me, I can dodge it. You know what I mean? I know that from watching uh, the nature channel all my life. So but I get in between all the cows and I start working my way to the front of the pasture to get to the gate to get out, you know? Why the lady's calling her dog. I'm thinking, what the hell? How did this creature kill this bull? I, I, I would have put my money on the bull. You know what I mean? I really would have. Um, but you're probably so right, though. Maybe it, anyway, it was trying to protect the cows. Yeah, I'm sure it was territorial. It's a bull. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what they do, you know? They make babies and they protect their, they protect their territory. Yeah. Um, I think it's very plausible. Yeah, so... Um, so we got home summer. I'm telling you, man, we seen more video of people like news people and a TV going to all these different locations, uh, interviewing pe witnesses who seen like the, sas uh, the skunk apes looking in their windows. They were a state trooper. See one run across the, the highway over there. I forgot what the, number, the name of the highway was. But there was one over there. Another one, another state trooper had one come up on his car while he was parked in the woods, like a, a speed trap. So we were seeing all this stuff. So we couldn't wait for the next day and to see the news because we figured it was going to be all over the news because that night the state police came in, the town police was there, the county police was there. They were in there with helicopters. They were there with horses and dogs, and they searched those Everglades, that swamp, those canals, all night long, and they never found anything, nothing. Wow. So the next day, we, we went Dixie, and we, we buy like three to four local papers, you know, uh -huh. to see if there's anything in it, and there's nothing. Because I'm thinking, I'm bringing this stuff back to New York. Wait yeah. till I tell my brother. <laughs> I want to tell the story, you know? Of course. Nothing in the newspaper, nothing on the radio, nothing on the TV. Like it never happened. It was just so weird. That, and it was funny because I was contacted by local uh, BFR representatives in South Florida. This woman, this woman uh, Bree was her name. She's seen my report in the Sasquatch uh, Museum report or whatever. Right. So she wanted to ask me. She was growing up down there at the same time I was, and she was living in over. Man, I forgot the name of the, I forgot the name of the town that she lived in, but it was okay. like the next town over. And her father had a a, a, a business in Davie, and her yeah. uncle her uncle was a police officer in New City. Okay, and he would tell when he would go visit his brother at my age, he would tell his. Uh, his brother, yeah, we went out on a, a Peep and Tom thing the other night, you know, uh, and uh, turned out to be a goddamn skunk ape looking in the window. You know, somebody wow. called the, the police saying, there's a, a seven-foot black man looking in my window. They get there, and if they see a skunk ape hiding behind, uh, they come, you know, because they both approach the house from different directions, and when it seen the cops come around the corner with the lights, the two flashlights, it ran and dove into the Everglades, the swamp, and swam away, you know? So he, she's telling him this, and he's, she's hearing this as a kid. So uh, she's like, I live the next town over. And she, when she posted my report on the BFR report, she reposted all of 
deciding reports for that time period down in South Florida. Right. And um, she was trying to get her uncle, because her uncle was a lot of these calls, these people town calls, and because they weren't official um, reports, because they were skunk ape incidences, I mean, they were yeah. not ever filed as police reports. It was just kept as uh, I forgot I forgot the terminology she used, but it was like his own notes. You know what I mean? So she's trying to get all his notes to put like a book together or something. Right. But she blew she blew my mind when she was when she put the when she put this whole presentation together for the BFRO page. She put all these headlines and all these pictures and all this stuff, and it's just so it, it all together. But um, I mean, that year I couldn't wait to get home to New York to tell my brother. And the first thing my cousin Anthony said to me was, "We can't tell anybody about this." I'm like, "Why not?" He's like, first of all, you know, everybody's going to think we're crazy. Second of all, my my I fan love." is by crucifying you, you know, ridiculing you to death and crucifying you. So if we would have went back to New York and told all my aunts and uncles and everybody, we would have never heard the end of it. They would have yes, broke our chops. I... They would have broke our chops forever, you know. And I mean, they broke my brother's chops for getting his uh, his uh, parapsychology degree, you know what I mean? You know, uh -huh. they kind of, they wrote, they wrote him for that for years. So my cousin says, you can't tell anybody. So I got to tell my brothers. He goes, Al, you can't tell. If you tell your brother, your brother's going to call my mother. <laughs> and the whole gonna family get out. Nobody. He goes, and, he goes, and if I, everybody says breaking my boss, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was like, you want to tell them happy? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get thrown a beating. So I said, okay, fine. You know, I won't say nothing. So I never told my brother anything about it. For like 30, 40 years, it's just it's called Power Frank Vanderiga, Paranormal Family and Friends. And he asked me if I had any, you know, stories. And I said, yes. I started telling the stories. It's my brother's nuts about validating everything. Right. Um, so he wanted to, you know, validate the story with my sister. Unfortunately, but it's that my brother, Joe, had passed away. And my cousin, Anthony, had passed away as well. They, he, they both had health issues. And so it just, but he got the validation from me and my sister, you know. So, um, but that wow. was my skunk ape. First time I seen a Bigfoot, and you know, I was hooked. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I was I was hooked as like a ten year old. You know, going to the library on Friday at school, they would send us to the library every Friday, so we'd have books to read on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I would always come back from the library with a Bigfoot book or a, a witch book or a devil, a Sasquatch book or a Loch Ness monster. It was always something like that, you know. Let me tell you and, something. Uh, I know exactly what you mean and it's I mean, and this is the thing even as a kid when you have these experience your 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 reality changes you know like it's yeah. like there's something that they can't be undone when i used to talk to my friend hanging out you know and partying and stuff hanging out in the woods drinking and partying and with stuff like this would come up and, you know, some guys would say, I had like two, two of my best friends I told, I'll be honest with you, they did tell my two best friends, but just hanging out with and everybody and everybody would say, ah, oh, that's nonsense. And I would just laugh and say, man, if you've seen, uh, in my head, I would say, if you've seen what I've seen, yeah. you would know it's not nonsense. You know, yes. I'm not a believer. I'm a knower, man. I've seen this exactly. thing, you know? Yeah. Exactly. 
and you can't unsee but, it. You uh, can't unknow it. That's no, and you thing. and you'll and it's it's an image that burns into your mind forever. You'll never forget it. You'll take that. You take that with you for the rest of your life. You know. Absolutely. You really can't realize that. You just don't see the world the same way anymore. And, and let me tell you, just jumping back over to the UFO thing, right after we made contact with those lights in the sky, you know, when I was 10 years old, right. I started I started having nose beliefs. Really? Okay. And I started sleepwalking. And my... That's weird. I'd be up watching a, late, watching a late movie. And I would be taking these giant steps, you know, and my father would say, well, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to the moon. My father said, you're going to the moon? He said, yeah, I'm going to the moon. What are you going to the moon for? And I used to tell him, because that's, that's, that's where I'm from. So he would say, all right, get your ass, all right, turn around, go back to bed. And I would turn around. And then I would wake up, and there would be blood all over my pillow, all over my wall, my bed, because the bed was up against the wall. Right. So I would ask my mother, I would ask my father, said, hey, Pop, how come, you know, my nose always blew? I, and he would always tell me, ah, oh, you know, you never, you all stay still all night long. You flip and flop. You hit your face against the wall, you get a nosebleed. But meanwhile, I, I'm the type of guy... I moved from an all Italian neighborhood to an all Irish neighborhood. And you know, when you grow up in the city, you move two blocks, you're in a different neighborhood, okay? Mm-hmm. And I used to fight every day being the only Italian guy in an Irish neighborhood. And I used to get punched in the nose all the time. I never bled. I got a black eye, I got a bloody lip, I got a fat lip or whatever. But I never got a nosebleed. And I never gather that you know here i am fighting everybody in the neighborhood to try to you get you guys <laughs> accept me and never got a never got a nosebleed but yet i would go to sleep doing some kind of stupid sleepwalking thing to, like i'm walking to the moon and then wake up the next morning to be blood all over the pillow and that thing about going to the moon that's and really like, weird yeah i told my father that's where i'm from that's what i thought that's where i that's where i'm from <laughs> from the moon or from, or from space or whatever I told them, you know. And I'll tell you another thing that I never told anybody. After I got back from Florida okay. at the, the skunk ape, I had nightmares about that skunk ape for like two years. I believe it. Two, two years I was freaked out about seeing that thing, you know. Uh-huh. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was scary, man. You know, it was something that really years afterwards freaked me out because yeah. I had a big picture window. I had a big picture window in my, in my bedroom that faced the front of the street and we had a little garden in the front. So if something nine foot tall wanted to reach into my bedroom, like through that window, my bedroom wasn't that wide. Exactly. Bed. I mean, it could have grabbed me off the bed and pulled me out of that window. So I used to try to get yeah, the window. It's like good up in the corner. Yeah, for two years, man, I had nightmares about it. Let me tell you something. People are real. That's why I'm saying that. Even if let's say you you weren't there anymore, you weren't in Davy anymore, that ignorance is bliss is truer than people think. And that's the thing. Once you see something like that, you cannot you can't unknow it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Once you once you experience something like that, it's life changed. It, you know it you know you, you just can't you know i don't care what people say you know well, no, uh, it's oh, like you're, if, you're, you're, 
you know, you see a movie based on true events. You read a book at the end, you know, even if it scares you, you're like, ah, you know, it's, they probably exaggerated, ah, whatever. But once you have that firsthand experience like you had, it's like, okay, you know, what, what do they say? Everywhere you go, there you are. How, you know, you can <laughs> lie to other people, but how much can you lie to yourself? No, you can't lie to yourself because you, you, you know the truth. Exactly. You know the truth in, in your heart and in your head, you know the truth. Okay. And let me tell you, getting back to this Bigfoot story. Okay. Um, I had a friend who was one of the local guys there, and uh, we went we went into the swamp, and in the north end of the swamp, or I should say the south end of the swamp, it was uh, it it was a, they called it the turnaround, the way the tide would come in and turn around and go back out. Okay. Okay. And all the local kids would swim in the turnaround, and I would are out of your mind. There are alligators in this water. There were alligators everywhere in the swamps. We were we were surrounded by canals. It was like we were on an island. And there were alligators everywhere. There would be alligators made lake behind our house, you know what I mean? So and they would say, Oh no, the alligators don't swim in the turnaround. What do you mean they don't swim in the turnaround? There's fish in the turnaround. There's frogs in the turnaround. There's turtles in the turnaround. This is all alligator food. <clears throat> Why right. win it? But for some reason, they said the alligators don't swim in it. Okay. One day, me and my cousin Anthony are fishing in a turnaround. Middle of the day, there's nobody around. Right. The fish are... And here comes this alligator floating on his... Uh, floating on down the, the current. It was sleeping. It was just sunning itself floating on the top of the water. Okay. At one point, this alligator ends up in the turnaround. When this alligator realized where it was, it couldn't get out of there fast enough. It was like it was top of the water to get out of the turnaround. And me and my cousin Anthony just looked at each other and said, what the hell was that all about? This thing was afraid to be at this end, and all of these guys go swimming here, you know? And there's right. water moccasins in that water as well. Exactly. All right, so one, one of my friends says, you know what, Al? I think, I think the reason why they can't find these creatures when they get into these canals is that they have caverns on, and, and these canals on the water, whatever. There's caverns, and they're swimming to these caverns, and they can't find them. I'm going to find a cavern. So I told this. He said, I said, you're not going to find anything. So we're sitting there. <clears throat> I'm sitting on my dirt bike, and he's going through the, the cattails and all looking for the looking for a cavern or something, right? Right. So all of a sudden, he pops up out of the water, and he says, dude, I found it. Oh. It's about like, you know, five feet down, there's an opening behind the cattails. It's a cavern. It leads in. Come on. We got to go check it out. Your mind? I was, <laughs> was going to ask you. I was like, you went. I, I was like, I was like, if I said, think about it. If this is lair, right? What do you think the creature is going to do when you show up there? It's going to rip you to shreds. What would your father do if he came home and found an intruder in his house? He'd probably shoot him. You know, especially back then down in South Florida, everybody yes, had a gun. Exactly. You know what I mean? Everybody had it. Every pickup truck that went by rifles in it you know what i mean yes and, and yeah. so i said i'm not going in there he says well look i'm going in i'm not back in 10 minutes jump on a bike go to my house get my brother bring him back tell him where i am okay wow. he's he goes in and he's 
minutes, six, seven, eight minutes. And I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting. I'm freaking out because I'm I'm trying to keep track of the time by counting. You know, one thousand, two thousand, right? So I'm freaking out because I, all of a sudden the dude explodes out of the water. He comes running out of the water, and I mean this dude is bouncing all out of his skin. Dude, dude, dude! I found it! I found it! You gotta come! You gotta come! You gotta come! You gotta come see! I found it! You got! I gotta prove it to you! I gotta prove it to you! I gotta show you! you gotta, I got! You gotta be my witness! And I'm like, dude, no, you can't! You can't pay me enough money to go in that water. Witness. No, so I told him, look, I believe you, because this dude was so excited. He, he explained it. He said, it opens up to a pool, comes up when he came out of the water. It's the smell was so bad. He said, it burnt your eyes. You couldn't breathe. He said, but this opening, the land around it, there was like tunnels all around this uh, body of water, like little tunnels that went in deep into the earth where he thought maybe each tunnel had like, its own family or something living in it. You know what I mean? Could be. So... He was like, Al, you got to promise me you never tell anybody. He goes, uh, because if, the, if the, the sheriff finds out about it, they're going to come back with the army. They're going to demolition this. They're going to cave everything in. They're going to kill these creatures. You know, all these things want to do is be left alone. You got to promise. says, dude, your secret is to say nothing to nobody. I don't want to be on anybody's radar. I'm good, you know. And I didn't even tell my cousin Anthony about it. And I swear to God, I didn't talk about it. I never talked about it. Until, you know, my brother wrote that book, and that was like 40 years later. That's when I first started talking about that, you know. And I was like, the dude found, definitely found their lair. I believe, hands down, I believe to this day that he found it. Did I go in and witness it? Hell no. But I believe he, he found something. Well, let me tell you something. I, I'm a firm believer that, um, that they're also very good at camouflaging themselves. Like really, really good at camouflaging themselves. And that sometimes, I know the skunk apes have the reputation of that you can smell them. You know, in other words, the smell kind of like gives them away, I guess, especially, well, it depends if you're down one from them or whatever the case might be. But I also think that maybe for some other versions that don't have that pungent odor or also depending, they, you, they can be really, really close to you and you just don't see them. You just don't see them. Yeah, no, I believe it. I mean, I mean, you know, we I've it's we we got a hot I got a hot spot up here that I go to uh, expeditions at this hot spot. And um, long story, I'll tell you a quick story. We we were at we were at the time, and um, we were just sitting there. We were sitting there. Uh, we, we it was uh, it was hollow hollow's eve. There was a full moon. There was a meteor shower, and the, the place that we're, we were going to investigate has a history to do not only with Sasquatches but UFOs. And they used to mine, you know, with a nuclear uh, nuclear explosion there, where there was an accident that um, the, the lake is called Nuclear Lake. Okay, so uh, my psychic, my team psychic lives in Arkansas, okay. lives in Arkansas, and she read the energy of that place. Places off the charts. She said, there are places like this all over the world. Um, she goes, but I've never been to any of them. She goes, this place is 
totally insane. She goes, so she says, you know, at this first, we had three locations picked, Ash. So at this first location, you're definitely going to watch experience tonight, you know, at the first location. Okay, no problem. Now, we, you know, we take what she tells us with a grain. Right. We've tested her. I've tested her enough times to know that she's the real deal. She calls my bluff every time I test her. You know, she basically says, Allie, you, Allie, you tested me, and I always say, yeah, I am. You know, I am. I'm testing you. But I'll test her anymore because I know she's the real deal. So we're sitting in the woods, and middle of the woods, and it's freezing out. We got no fire. We just got a couple of glow sticks on the ground for ambient light. My partner, Brian, started out as my tech guy. He's, he's there. He's streaming live on uh, Twitter. We're doing a, a live stream of our investigation and my cameraman, Bill, and um, so we're, we're sitting in the middle of the woods, and we first, we, we, do, we found these three round stones that were quartz crystals, and they were set up like a pyramid, you know, in a pyramid right. shape, right. and me and, Bill had, me and Bill had found them just by accident running through the woods. Now, in these woods, there were all these little stone caverns all over the woods, you know, but they're in locations that are up on cliffs or in a, that a human can't possibly get to, never mind carry rocks up there to build. And the first time I seen them, freaked me out. I thought of like the Blair Witch Project immediately, just freaked me out, okay? <laughs> but anyway, we're sitting in the woods, and, you know, with the psychic. So we tried to, we, we're doing all this uh, paranormal investigating with, with these stones, and we're doing readings with it, with the, I'm hitting it with the, the laser thermometer, there's no, I'm hitting it with the, the, uh, the infrared camera and, all, you know, thermal imager, not getting anything off of these stones. And the psychic says, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm not feeling anything at this time, yada, yada, yada. So I decide, I say, you know what? I'm going to break out of Tibetan singing bowl. Let's fill these woods okay. up with some vibration and some frequency. Let's see what happens, right? right. So I hit the Tibetan singing bowl. I mean, I got this thing singing, and it's just echoing through the woods, and it sounds like it's uh, just going on forever. Okay. Now we go back. We go back. I go back to, I get the, the compass. I put it on stones. First time I put it on stones, it moved. Put it on stones now, spinning like a top. Wow. It would hit it with the, the thermal imager. It's white hot. looks like it's burning hot but it's ice cold to the touch. The first time I hit it with the thermal imager, it didn't even show up on the thermal imager. I had to put laser, a, laser, a, a laser pointer on it so I could even see it. So now, all of a sudden, we're getting, I got the parabolic mic going, and we're getting this Morse code coming down out of the sky. So we recorded, you know, everybody was, I pass it around, let everybody listen to it. I have a, now the parabolic mic records it, so we record this Morse code, really it's weird coding we're trying to figure out what this coming at is everybody's you know everybody's saying well what is it could it be this could it be that and i'm thinking well you know maybe there's something up there that we're not seeing that's sending down a, a signal to us you know right you know i'm thinking you i'm thinking ufo but i'm not saying ufo but i'm thinking it right yeah. all right so we hear walking coming towards us boom 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 oh. boom five p bipedal walking and now we've been in the woods a long time and the energy of this place is really really strong and after we hit it with the Tibetan singing bowl 
we called the psychic back up. And she, it was so, the energy was so strong that she couldn't talk. Sound like she had cerebral palsy. We had to walk like a thousand feet away for her to be able to speak coherently. She okay. couldn't talk. That's how. So she goes, what the hell did you guys do? You know? I thought, oh, we, we, we played with Tibetan singing bowl. She goes, oh, my God, you just ramped the energy up like a thousand times. In the meantime, we hear this walking coming over. And I'm thinking, because I'm not thinking straight, I'm thinking it's another paranormal team in the woods on Halloween, and they're going to come over and they're going to find our spot, right? Uh-huh. So I'm telling everybody to be quiet. I'm telling everybody to be quiet. In the meantime, off to our west on the other side of the lake, there's a pack of coyotes going off howling at the moon. To our east is a dog kennel, and the dogs are going crazy. They're barking like going nuts. Okay. Oh. We, hear this, we, we hear this walking come up to us. Uh, we cover the glow sticks with some leaves because it's, 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 you know, Halloween is a lot of leaves on the ground. We cover the glow sticks because we don't want to give away our location. And we hear this bipedal walking come right up to us. Now we're up on a ridge behind in some uh, three foot high stone wall that's just three direction in the middle of the woods. Nobody knows who made it, why it's there. They're just all over the woods. It's ridiculous. Okay. And behind that stone wall is a cliff, uh, is a, is a, a drop off, about a 50 foot drop off that leads down to the middle of the swamp. We're sitting there. And I'm telling her, be quiet. I think it's another, it's another paranormal guy. And Bill and Brian look at me like, are you out of your mind? Was... Did you hear that? Did you hear the, the weight of that walking? If it's a, if it's another dude, he's about a thousand, he weighs like a thousand pounds. So we're sitting there. All of a sudden we get three rock knocks. <gasps> click, click, click. Oh. So, so now I'm excited. Oh, I take out, I take out my little bat. I got, I got a little bat. I used for knocks, and I drew three knocks back. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, we get three of the loudest, most powerfulest whoops that you ever heard in your life. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And not only is the the vibration of the was but you can feel the vibration in the ground going up our legs. All of a sudden, the coyotes stop howling, Everybody's the dogs like, uh. start barking, and the woods goes deathly silence. You could hear a leaf drop. That's how quiet it was. So we're sitting there. We, now, when we go out, all we take are 10-inch survival knives, 18-inch machetes, and pepper spray. I don't allow anyone to carry any firearms. I don't want to be responsible for any accidents, anybody getting shot. Right. Okay. Okay. Now we we do we do take the weapons because there are black bears and cougars and the coyotes up here are the size of German shepherds because they're like coy dogs. They're half breeds, so they're okay. big. Do- they're big. So we do take weapons to protect us off in case we get attacked by you know a, a real animal or something, right? Right. So a known, a known predator, I should say. So anyway, these three whoops go off, and and Bill is just freaking out, and I'm like, and I'm like, calm down, guys, relax. You know, we're, we're cool, we're cool. Let's just let's just see what happens. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry, 
with 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. So, all of a sudden, we get a whoop from the west side of the lake. And a whoop from the south side of the lake and a whoop from the north side of the lake. And, you know, all of a sudden, there's more than just one creature in the woods say, with us. it sounds like you guys are surrounded there. We are surrounded. And, you know, none of us are running towards the water, jumping in that lake, knowing that there's been a nuclear accident. And even though they dredged it up and they cleaned it, I'm not going in that water, you know? So, So we're sitting there, and, and I tell everybody, calm down, relax. We sit, we sit back down on the chair, and a few minutes later, we hear a rock get thrown at us, a little rock, a rock, one rock, two rocks, three rocks are coming in. So we, get, we got three different cameras going. We got a night ca- uh, infrared, full spectrum, thermal imagery. We got them all going. We got them all pointing in different directions. So we all we turn them and we point them all towards the, the stone wall where this creature is standing behind. Now, when this creature whooped, Okay, I put my headlamp on and ran with the camera over the wall, jumped over the wall to the edge of the, of the, of the little uh, cliff there to see what was in the swamp. I wanted to see it. I wanted to put eyes on it. Uh, Brian jumped over. Bill jumped over it. We got three cameras going. We're filming, but there's nothing on anything. There's no image of anything on any of the cameras, not even on the thermal imager. Okay. Bill has this 1500 luma flashlight that lights up <laughs> a spotlight. We a landing we, plane. Yes, we hit this area. We hit the swamp with this with this uh, this 1500 luma flashlight, and there was nothing there. Literally, we hear a whoop from the south side. Now, I'm not saying this creature ran three miles in three seconds to the south side. Right. I don't know if it was the same creature that was standing below us that was making the whoops or if the one at the other end was making whoops to distract us from what we were doing because we were maybe we were getting too close to something. Yeah. I have I have a theory and it's just my theory and I'm not an expert on anything. I don't claim to be an expert on anything. But I have a theory that these creatures can manipulate um, the spectrum of light that they're in that we can't see them. And that's why I think sometimes they could be standing right next to us and we don't see them because we're not looking at them in the spectrum of light that they're vibrating in. Right. Or whatever they do, whatever they do. Okay. But anyway, we're not seeing anything. And again, we got three cameras and this giant flashlight. So we go back to the other side of the wall. We sit down. Okay, let's take, let's chill out, see what happens. We're sitting down five minutes later. A rock comes over the ridge, uh, over the top of the top of the trees, over the top of the trees. Now there's no leaves on the trees because it's the fall. 
over the top of the trees, lands between me and Bill, and rolls down and hits Brian's chair. This rock is the size of a bowling ball. If this creature wanted to kill us, it, all it had to do was hit any of us with this stone, and we would have been dead. Everybody jumps up. Brian says, I think it's time to... <laughs> Not yet. I don't think so. I think I think I think we should just wait and and I'm not ready yet. I'm not I, I'm not a psychic by any stretch of imagination, but I get gut feelings and I get vibes. And the vibe I was getting is like, don't leave, not yet. There's still more to come. So we're sitting there, okay, and we're kind of set up in a triangle formation. Bill on one point, me and Brian on the two sides of him. He's sitting closest to the wall. With his back to the wall, facing me and Brian. And we're facing him. All of a sudden, we hear something come charging up the ridge. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Like it's on all fours. Oh my and God. it's coming. It's coming. And you can hear the twigs breaking. You can hear the... And, and something is coming up this ridge. And it's coming up full speed. Bill jumps up because he's got it. He's got his back to the wall, and he starts to run. As he's running by, as he's running by me, I reach out and grab him. Now I don't know how I did this. Bert took my eyes off of the location where the sound was coming from, but I grabbed him. I stopped him. Then I spun him around and I told him, "Stand your ground." We pulled out our machetes. Because I'm thinking, this is a mountain lion coming over that wall. And when it hits that wall, it's going to jump on one of us. And we're going to have to kill this thing before it kills one of us. So that's what I'm thinking. It's a mountain lion or a bear. Right, because you're hearing so, now that it's on all fours. So you're thinking, okay. It's on all fours. And at this point, I didn't know that Sasquatches did bluff charges. I knew bears did, but I didn't know. Right, right. This becomes charged. The sound comes right up to the wall. Now we're all standing there with headlamps on that are like a couple of hundred, you know, 500 luma headlamps. We got all three of us got our headlamps on and our, our machetes out, and we're standing there in a triangle formation. Now I'm happy to be the first guy up, with Bill and Brian are winging me on either side, and I'm standing there, and I got this headlamp on. The sound comes right up to the edge of the wall and then disappears. It doesn't come over the wall. It doesn't stop and walk away. It just stops dead, oh. and nothing comes over the wall. So I take out my little handheld camera, and I start taking photographs. We're filming with all the other cameras. We get nothing on the cameras. Okay. Long story short, I posted that photograph in night, and somebody from, I don't know if it was California or something, pulled that picture up. And uh, was going through it. Who has better equipment than we do? Because we're just working guys. We don't. Well, we, you know, we're not getting paid by TV. We don't have a TV contract, right. so we're just working guys. And this dude cleans up the photograph, and in my flesh, standing behind a tree and the wall, you see a nose. A muzzle, like like a like almost like a dog kind of head. Are you talking okay? that it was a dog man? I don't know what it is. I'm thinking uh, it has a, it has like um, a pit bull head, 
like a square head. Oh my god! It's got a dog nose and it has two little pointy ears, like a pit bulls when they're crying. You know what? I've heard okay. that there's the variety of Bigfoot. You know, because you know you how you know that there's a prototypical Bigfoot thing that you know kind of looks like a man, but it's got. But they say that there's a variety of Bigfoot that looks exactly like what you're describing. That and no, by the way, they're considered know. very dangerous in comparison to the others. I don't know if this was uh, what they call a type two Sasquatch, the kind with a dog's head, right, right, or if this was a dog man per se. Exactly. I don't know, but whatever this thing was, there. Okay, oh and we sat we sat back down for another half hour, and the place just went dead. The energy changed until we left. Okay, and we didn't for years. We didn't know that was in the photograph. We had no idea was it even. We we looked we looked at all these photographs. We didn't have we didn't see anything. We we for some reason we never. We didn't have the right equipment to clean it up. Or whatever. Right, so when right, the right. dude sent when the dude sent me the image back, right? I thought he had doctored the image. I said, "Oh, this is Photoshop." So I went image and I started playing with it with my software, and sure as shit, in the original photograph, there, there it, it is. Huh? There it was. Yeah. So long story. All right. So now we decide to leave that look. We go to our second location. As we're walking to our second location, we're crossing over a bunch of huge And I see this light in the sky flickering. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't let this be a UFO, right? So you're still, in other words, you still haven't really left the area. You're going to your second location on foot. We're going, yeah, yeah, we're going to our second. We're in between the first location. We're working our way back to the car. We're about four miles deep into the woods. Okay, okay. So we're, we're, we're at like the north end of the lake, right at the north end of the lake, tip of the lake. And we're crossing over, and it's like a little clearing there, like a little inlet stuff, you know, and there are ducks there and everything. And I see this light in the sky. Now, I'm not going to say nothing to nobody, but the last thing I wanted is for anybody to get abducted, right? So I don't say anything. That's, Brian is streaming He's with his live, because he's a tech guy, right. he's streaming live on Twitter filming. And Bill happens to look up and say, hey, what's that? Oh. Brian's, Brian's filming it. Bill's pointing at it. I'm looking at it. And I say to everybody, shut off your headlamps. Shut off our headlamps. We're sitting there in the dark. Now, this thing was going, it was going from west to east. And as soon as Bill says, what's that? It stops. And it starts to head south towards, like, the city. Okay. And then it stops and stops again. And then all of a sudden, it makes a beeline at us. And I'm telling you, it was at the south end of the lake. We're at the north end of the lake, three miles away. It crossed that lake in like a second, okay? Boom. Now it's above us. And you hear us on the video, because we got this video up on the, on our sites. Right. Brian Brian is filming it, you know? So it's it's silver, it's white, it's flashing now orange and red and at one minute it's there one minute it's not and we're filming this and you hear us all talking what is it it's a plane is it a drone is it you know people are cursing in the video what the fuck yeah you know i don't want to curse but everybody's cursing right no i can't even be <laughs> you know we don't want we don't know what's going on it's from us like i said i had everybody shut off their headlamps 
you know, because this thing, I don't want this thing to see us. This thing hits us with a floodlight, and it lights us up. Now, we're standing in this floodlight looking up at this thing, and it's, at first it wasn't making any noise. So it was, no, it was not a drone. It was not a plane. It was no balloon. It wasn't no uh, swamp gas. This thing is above us, and it hits us with a floodlight, and it's looking at us. So we're looking at it. We're studying it. Brian's filming it. It's looking at us. And then I say, you know what? Let's get out of this light because we don't know what this light's doing to us. So we step out of the light. As we step out of the light, it blinks off and flies away. Boom, it's gone. I, 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 you hear me yell in the, in the video, time check. Bill gives me a time check. From the minute it got there, then we get to our second location. I do another time check. Okay, no time is missing. It's about the right amount of time from location A to location B. We get the second location, call the psychic up. It's like 9, nine o'clock at night or something like that, 9.30. And we call the psychic up, and I say, okay, we're at our second location. Um, what do you see happening here? And she's, okay, this, this location is totally different than the first location. Because um, here you're going to start seeing a lot of, a lot of um, strange anomalies. You're going to see, she called them woodland creatures, like gnomes and stuff. You're going to okay. see. And we're laughing, like, gnomes. Like, what are you on, you know? <laughs> gnomes, we're going to see gnomes. And she says, you're going to see these balls of light. But she doesn't call them balls of light. She calls them fairies. They're okay. fairies to her. But we, you know, she's going to look like balls of light to us. You're going to see gnomes, and you're going to see shadow figures, and you're going to, all this stuff is going to happen. Like I said, we, we take it as a, like a grain of salt. Okay, no problem. So I turned to Brian, and I said, if we see, any, we see any balls of light tonight, I said, you know, Native American law says, don't follow these things deep into the woods. They'll take you deep into the woods, and it, there's nothing good will happen to it. So don't follow them. I said, what we're going to do is, you see, we're going to hit them with our laser pointers. Okay? He said, okay, we'll hit them. We'll see what happens then. No problem. So now Brian's facing me. I'm facing Brian. Bill's to my right. Bill's actually filming the meteor shower because he does a sky watch. He has his own sky watch gig. He does sky watch. He's filming the meteor shower for his sky watch. And I'm seeing like seven foot shadow figures jumping from tree to tree. What? And yeah, they're going from tree to tree. And I'm like, Bill, film the trees. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing shadow figures. So I start taking pictures with my little handheld camera of the trees. Okay. Brian's like, Bill, he's looking behind at, at my back. He says, Bill, film behind Al. Those trees back there, behind those woods, I'm seeing little, like, three-foot white gnomish-looking creatures with, like, gnome hats on and everything running from tree to tree back there. So I says, what are you doing, oh bro? See, because I'm telling you. So Bill, so Bill starts filming behind my back. I got the monitor. In the monitor, we got an SD card. Okay. Bill is filming with the camera. I'm holding the monitor. He's holding the camera. Sure is I swear to you, I swear on a stack of Bibles, on my dead mother's grave, a little three-foot gnome comes out from behind a tree, and it runs from one tree to the other. 
When it gets to the second tree, a second one comes out and runs to that tree. Now, Bill is freaking out because he's looking at it through the viewfinder of the camera. He's right. like, dude, did you just see that? And I'm like, dude, I got it, the monitor in my hand. I seen it. We're both jumping out of our skins because we know we got the SD card in here filming. We just captured two fucking woodland creatures running from tree to tree. With you know, at this point, Brian says, "Look across the lake from where we just left. There's two balls of light. The size of a, of a grapefruit, you know, small grapefruit." Right. And this is that, around that nuclear lake both, thing that you were talking about, right? Right, we're still at Nuclear Lake, yeah. Okay. Now, we were just on that side of the lake. That's where we had all of our experiences. Okay. So, Brian says, so, Brian says, what do you want to do? I said, okay, you hit the one on the right with your green laser. I'll hit the one on the left with my red laser. And I said, Bill, on the count of three, you hit it with your Luma flashlight. We'll light up those whole woods. We'll see what's there. On three, boom. Soon as those laser beams hit those two balls of light, they blinked out. Bill hit that thing with his giant Luma flashlight. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. It didn't sound like it could hide behind the bush, but there's no leaves on anything. It's the fall. You know what right. I mean? Right. So it's not. Oh, we're, we're discussing the shadow figures on the trees. We're discussing the, the gnomes. So we start looking through our photographs to see what we, we caught anything. And I start noticing in my photograph, I got a, a blue mist and a red fog. And I'm like, dude, what? you're the tech guy. Explain to me how we got a blue mist and a red fog on a crystal clear night, you know? And he goes, ah, it's weird. Because let me... And you, you got a totally you did, different camera than me. You didn't see this with a hmm? naked eye. It was only when you were reviewing it in the camera? Yes. So he checks his camera, totally different camera than mine. And he's got the blue mist and the red right. fog in it. So we're just sitting there, and we're dumbfounded. Like, we can't believe what we're on, right? All of a sudden, we hear a family coming down the Appalachian Trail in the middle of the night on Halloween. You hear a mother and a father and two little kids, but you can't hear what they're saying. It's and rocks and all, and we're sitting at the opening of the Appalachian Trail in this meadow, okay. in the dark, you know. And I said to everybody, "Put your headlamps on so these people can see us, because you know they're going to come out here. They're going to see three grown men with knives and machetes and <laughs> yeah, everything. Like, right. They're going to be freaking out, right? And we don't want to scare these people. Let them know that we're here. So we put our headlamps on, and we hear the talking. We hear the murmuring and the sound and like the giggling. Sound like little kids laughing. I swear to God, it sounded like they were kicking rock. Comes right up to the end of the trail. No one comes out of the trail. No one comes out. Bill, I said, grab your flashlight. Let's go in there. So we go in. He hits the, with his 1,500 Luma flashlight. We go in. We walk in about an eighth of a mile. There's nobody there. It's ghost town. So we call the psychic. And we say, hey, this is what's going on. And she's like, why are you guys calling me so late? And I'm like, what are you talking about? We've only been here like 10 minutes. She goes, Al, you call me at 9.30. It's 11.30 now. You know, you call me 11.30 at night. You know, like, what do you mean it's 11.30? We lost two hours of time. Oh. We didn't even know we lost. It's, it felt like we were there 15 minutes. I swear to God, every single one of us said, 
there's no way it's 11.30. You know, it's, we, we just called you like 10 minutes ago. And she's like, no, you called me two hours ago. So we tell her what's going on. And she says, you're in a space-time continuum, she said. And the family you heard coming down the trail, they won't be, they won't be there till tomorrow morning sometime. Wow. She goes, so we're freaking out. I like, bet. we can't believe what's going on, right? And we tell her what's going on. And basically everything that she told us that we were going to see, we say, so now we go to our third location, which is like almost like a campsite on the west side of the trail, again, where the Appalachian Trail comes right out to this campsite where it's not an official campsite. You're not allowed to camp there, but people do anyway. And everybody who camps there has Sasquatch experience. Okay. So we go there, and we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, I get it in my head. Like, oh, tonight's the night. We've got to change the clocks back. So it's a quarter to 12, and I wanted to be there for 12 o'clock because that's when everybody has their experiences at this low this spot. You know, if you go on the website and you read, uh, the, the sightings are always around 12 o'clock at this site off the Appalachian Trail. Okay. So I said, I said, you know what, man? It's a quarter to 12, or 10 to 12. Tonight you change the clocks back, so we got to change the clocks. So that means we're going to have to sit here for like another hour. We've been in these woods for like eight hours at this point. We are physically and mentally drained. The energy of this location is just off the charts. Okay. So everybody says, with this site, let's, we'll come back here another time. Let's get the hell out of here. So as we're walking down the mining road, because the game plan was after the investigation was over, we were going to go to the diner, grab a bite, eat, have a cup of coffee, and talk about the investigation. Right. All right, looking out, we're discussing what a shitty night it was. We didn't have anything happen to us. Like, we're not recalling all the stuff that we just went through, you know? And it was weird. That whole night we were in those woods, we didn't hear anything. We didn't see any sign of animal life or nothing. The closer we got to civilization towards the end of the mining road that led out to the main road where the cars were parked. Okay. We started seeing, we started seeing, um, we started hearing crickets. We started seeing deer. We started all kinds of animal life, but it was all away from the woods. It was towards the road. So we get to the cars. Everybody's burnt out. Everybody goes home. Everybody heads off in dish, different directions. We don't even say goodbye. We just get to the car and goes home. Boom. Nobody goes to the diner. The next day, Brian calls me up. Brian lives in the Bronx. So he's like an hour and a half away from me. He calls me up. He says, dude, I woke up with this metallic taste in my mouth. And I was spitting blue phlegm. And I got a bruise on my chest like somebody punched me in the chest. Hmm. Uh, they said nobody, nobody fell last night. There were no act. Nobody got hurt. There was no accidents. We we're really careful, you know, because the Appalachian Trail, at one point, it's a nice trail, and the next minute, it turns into like a goat trail. It gets really sketchy, you know, right. very dangerous. They very dangerous at spots. So I made sure everybody was really took it slow and steady, you know. I said nothing happened. He says, he says, how about you? How do you feel? I said, you know what? Now that you, now that you mentioned it. My bottom lip is swollen, like somebody punched me in the face last night, and I feel like there's 
something implanted behind my lip. There's something hard in my lip. And he's like, really? Call Bill. So we called Bill. We get Bill on a conference call. And Bill says, dude, I had night terrors all night. I was screaming. I was having crazy dreams. He said, and I woke up this morning. I got a bruise on my face like somebody slapped me so hard that he... So we all woke up with injuries. Nobody felt, no one got hurt. So we called the psychic down in Arkansas. We say, Cindy, you know, what happened to him? Woke up with bruises. Brian's got spit and blue phlegm with metallic taste. Now, I'm feeling loopy for three days three afterwards. Days. I was loopy. Now, I don't know if we, it was something to do with the energy of the lake, the full moon, or if we were being hit with infrasound. I don't know, but I was loopy for three days. I was physically able to, to go to work and do my job. Okay. Not on point for three days. So Cindy says, you know, I don't know what happened, but all I know is the hand my phone, last cell phone last night when I was talking to you guys, I woke up with a rash on it this morning. And she's in Arkansas. Wow. So explain that. I mean, that's just crazy. Have you, gone, have you ever gone back afterwards, Al, to that location? Back all the time. Are you crazy? You think I'm going to let this place? This is. We went back one time. Bill, we were doing a, it's called the Pine Bush UFO Fair up here in New York. So it's like okay. the New York capital of the UFO uh, capital of New York State, right? Where most of the sightings are. Okay. And we were having a fair up here. And we were going back one day. We had a friend of ours visiting. She's a blogger from England. She came up for the fair. She flew in for the fair. And, uh, so she says, Al, take me to Nuclear Lake. I want to see this location where you guys have all this crazy stuff going on. She had never seen any Sasquatch uh, structures or anything like that. So I said, okay. So we decided to go to Nuclear Lake. And like the first mile, two miles in, it's, it's nice. It's like a 10-foot wide paved mining road. It's a beautiful road, easy to walk on. So we're hiking in, and I'm taking her off the main road, and I'm showing her structures. Like this is a... This is a break, this is a bend, this is a twist, this is an archway, this is an X, you know, and I'm pointing all this stuff out. And then I'm pointing out the smaller stuff on the ground, the lower stuff. I said, and these are, these are structures that are made by juveniles, you know, that's why they're not made so well and this, that, and the other thing, you know. So we're sitting in this location, and I, and I got the ghost, uh, the, the ghost uh, meter going, right? Okay. And... Uh, now, the ghost radar going, and the ghost radar says, we're, we got three entities around us. Now, the psychic calls the SAS, my psychic calls the SAS watches the guardians. Okay. And she says, every time we go in, they know we're coming, and they're waiting for us. So, you know, I don't know if these things are following us through the woods, but I always get the feeling that something is following me from the, on the swamp side of the woods. Um, but the ghost radar is always telling me there's something on the on the on the west side of where the, where the ridges are, the mountain ridges. So anyway, we're sitting in this location. Bill's filming, and again, we got this up on we got this up on the site. He puts his camera down, but it's still filming. And I'm explaining to 
the woman from uh, Heidi from England, about the cameras. And I'm, I'm talking her, I'm telling her, yeah, it looked like the Blair Witch Project. And you hear me film, Bill's got his camera on the log. He's talking about mosquitoes eating us alive, and he's getting the mosquito spray out. Don't you think we got over that video and we captured it, a Class A EVP? Really? Said a woman's voice calling Bill's name. Not once, but twice. You hear her say, do you hear her say, and then a few seconds go by, says, Bill. Now, <laughs> Bill doesn't know this until afterwards when he gets home. He, he's playing the video for Heidi, and he hears he calls me up freaking out because, you know, you're calling his name, not mine. Yeah. But in the meantime, that day, as we're walking through the woods, we're bringing Heidi to the, to the high ridge line, we pass a burn some point that winter, there must have been a fire in the woods. There was okay. a burn. And something is drawing me into this burnt area. And I'm walking into this burnt area. And Bill goes, where are you going? I said, I don't know, man. I'm being pulled. So I'm walking through. Cause now, you got to remember, the brambles and the bushes and the prickly bushes are so thick that before that burn was there, we couldn't get one foot into this area. Okay. Now I can get in. 100 yards okay. and I'm being pulled so I'm being pulled I notice like on top of this ridge it looks like a Karen so I say hey Bill zoom in on that ridge on that Karen up there with your camera let's get a better look at it so Bill zooms in on it and it's not a Karen at all it's a megalithic stone <gasps> with hundreds hundreds of stones on top of it oh. Bill is like how are we going to get up there? I go, follow me. And I charge up this ridge like a madman. Get to the top of the ridge, and it opens up to a flat plateau. And in this flat plateau are megalithic stones set up in a circle, like a 100-yard radius circle. And each stone has hundreds of little stones on top of them. So Bill's filming. I'm taking pictures. And I like, oh, now we really start exactly. Is there bends and breaks and twists and arches and X's? But there's trees pulled down and wedged under other pulled down. I mean, big, I mean, and, and there's trees that are being, the little trees that are being pinched underneath the big one. Okay. The big one is a deadfall that grabbed it and pulled it down because the little one is 15 feet to the right of it. There's no way this thing could fall to the north and take this tree down to the east. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we start filming this place. We start, we start examining. We're taking hundreds of photographs. And I say, hey, Cindy, we just found this location. She goes, where are you? And I said, we're on a high plateau. She goes, Al, you're at a sacred site. I go, what do you mean? She goes, this is a sacred site. She goes, this site has been used as a, as a a sacred location for thousands of years. All the Native Americans used it as a sacred site. She said there was white men there in robes who built it. Wow. Thousands of years before the Native. Now, I'm thinking that the ridge, this mountain that we're on, this plateau, mm -hmm. may have something to do with the location where they used to mine the uranium. Okay. And maybe 
everybody thinks this is a sacred site because the UFOs are coming. Their uranium is in the mountain. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because there have been tons of UFO reports siphoning water out of the lake. There have been reports of little red orbs flying out of the lake and they're flying back in. So on said, so she, she called him the guardian, use it as a sacred site. And she goes, whatever you do, do not do anything to disrespect this site. This is a sacred site. Right. Keep it as pristine as you can. So I said, okay, no problem. Now, the whole time we're there, I'm getting a feeling, flying to my west, I'm getting a feeling that beyond that ridge is the home range of the Sasquatches. Okay. But I'm not going. I'm not going up on that ridge, and I'm not going into their ranch. I'm respecting their space, and I'm and I'm tell and I'm telling them this. I'm with Mailchimp. You get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions, and you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. I'm saying if you're listening and you know, you know, you hear me, you're following me. Um, right. I'm going to respect your, your sacred site. I'm going to respect your home and I'm not ever going to come up on that ridge and I'm never going to go over that ridge. I promise you, I'm not going to tell anybody about this site that will disrespect me. In the meantime, Bill calls this woman Dr. Rita Louise, right? and he FaceTimes her, and he's okay. showing her all these all these ancient structures. These and she's like, where the hell are you guys, in England or Ireland? And we're like, no, we're in New York. And she goes, you found a megalithic site in New York State? And I'm like at Nuclear Lake. This is this is our hotspot location. And she goes, oh my God, the site is amazing. And, you, and Bill walked her around the whole site with FaceTime. She's seen the whole thing. She was blown away, you know. She just couldn't believe it, what we found. Like I said, we would have never found that location if that wasn't burnt because, out. Right, I because I was about to say, because otherwise you just couldn't get there, right? No, I can't tell you how many times we walked right past that, that burnout uh, we must have walked past it a hundred times, and never, I never was, never felt like I was being drawn there. I never felt, to, you know, but because it was all burnt out and it was open, and I could get into it, I said, "Hmm, maybe I'm being drawn in." And then when I got to the edge where the ridge actually started to go up, the mountain, I, oh, you know, and I was like, "Okay, I'm being drawn here. I gotta go," you know. And uh, right, that's how we found our sacred. I just get, I get feelings, you know what I mean? I get gut feelings. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know if, 
if I, if I plan on going out on an investigation, whether it's paranormal or cryptid or whatever, right? And I get a I get a vibe that says, mm, I don't think this is a good idea. I think maybe you should bail on this one. I bail on it. You know what I mean? If my gut tells me don't go, I yes. It, it, so and there's so many more experiences we had there that we could talk about other other time. You know, another time. I know I've had you on a phone a long time tonight. No, I'm sorry. This has been great. This has been so fascinating. It's like because it's it's stuff. And you know what? And I'm glad to hear that you that you honor your intuition. Okay, because the thing is, sometimes you dodge the bullet, but sometimes there's no way to know you dodged the bullet because you don't go. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, it's, I'll be brutally honest. I'll be brutally honest. 99.9 says don't go. I won't go. But sometimes I'm still feeling like I need to go. You know, and I'll roll that dice once in a blue moon. I'll roll a dice, and even against my better judgment. And mm -hmm. so far, so good. I've been lucky. I haven't had any bad experiences, but um, you know, those are far and few between. You know, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll roll the dice on it, but most of the times, you know, my gut, my gut says don't go. We're going to, we're going to haunt the house or something. And my gut's, mm, you, you may want to pass on this one. You know, right, yeah. I'll pass, you know. Right, you know, right. I just, yeah, no, I, I listen to my gut. You know, I really do. Like I said, it, it's something I've had my whole life. I mean, even young guy hanging out down in the city, you know what I mean, going to the clubs down in the city, you know, uh, Chippendales and all of those clubs and stuff, you know, we were all partying, hanging out at all those clubs. There would be times... I would be sitting there with, with my girlfriend or whoever I was with that night, and um, and I would try to move. And she would say, I remember one time when she was online to go to the bathroom, she just go stand with me, you know? So I'm standing online with her, and I'm looking at her, and she's talking to me, and I'm looking at the bar, because I'm, I'm watching my beer. I got two beers on the bar, and I'm watching my beer to make sure nobody throws my beers away and takes them. And I'm looking at the bar, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking, at, and I see these dudes at the bar. They're talking shit, and they're looking over, they're looking over, they're talking, they're looking over, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, "You gotta move." And she's like, "What do you mean I gotta move?" I said, "You gotta move right now." And I grabbed her, and I just yanked her blind, and like we, we, you know, dragged her like three feet away. And no sooner that I did that, one of the dudes at the bar grabbed the beer and threw it at some chick who was standing online, and it broke the bottle broke right where she was standing and if i didn't pull her out of the way would have hit her right in the head and she looked at me she's like i just got a vibe that you needed to move you needed to move right then and there and i couldn't stand there and argue with you because this was the kind of chick that would argue with me all for everything why do i gotta move what are you to move you know what i mean yeah, like exactly. a mafia the prince the mafia she was like a mafia princess you know she, she just couldn't do what you told her to do she had argue with you i just yeah, but you knew time was of the essence, so this is not a moment to give you a lot of explanation about this. Yeah, yeah, and she just looked at me like, how did you... I don't know, man, I just got a vibe, you know? And that happened to us all the time. We were in clubs, you know, go clubbing and stuff, and we would be in a club, and we'd be dancing. 
And I would say, okay, we got to go. She's like, what do you mean we got to go? Like, we got to go right now. We got to go right now. And as we're walking out the door, a big melee would start in the middle of the, of the floor. Maybe two different gangs would walk in, you know, one from each side of the room. And they would meet in the middle of the dance floor and everybody would just start fighting and stuff, you know. Right, and if you're the innocent bystander, you're, it doesn't matter really. You're going to get it. Yeah, I've been, I've been in clothes where I had to fight my way out, you know what I mean? So I don't want to. If I got if I got if I got a vibe and you know we gotta go we gotta go right now then we gotta go you know. So it served you so. it served you in good stead all this time that you know you know you listen to that little voice or that feeling that you get it's like yeah there's a lot of people they dismiss it and I'm gonna say it especially men that they're like oh you know like my imagination you know they don't want to like really buy into it because it's let's face it it's a feeling <laughs> you know it's a it's a this thing that's telling you leave now or move over there but it's funny because it, it starts it starts in my gut like i'll get this vibe that and it works its way up you know like towards my chest my heart and i'll say okay something's you know something's wrong and then if i kind of drag it out and i don't leave right then and there i'll hear a voice in my head that says now you got to go like night now you know what i mean like i'll hear a right. voice in my head like in the back of my head screaming you got to go right now right now you got to go don't you know there's no time to think about it not one more time gotta react right now you know and if i hear that voice in the back of my head screaming at me then i gotta just start running you know yeah. because i know something's going down any second you know but. Yeah, i'm telling you yeah sometimes collateral damage in those situations people have nothing to do with it it's like wrong you know that play you know wrong place wrong time while you remove oh, yourself absolutely. out of the wrong place without wrong a doubt. Time. absolutely without a doubt yeah i mean like i said I, you know that I, I can't tell you how many times we were in clubs, you know, and we say, okay, we got to go now. And then, you know, people be like, ow, why, why do we got to go, man? We're having a good, it's like, mm. <laughs> don't leave right now. We're going to be in the middle of this, uh, you know what I mean? And, and we would leave. And then the next day we were the, we would hear, you know, through the, through the local, uh, rumor mill. Oh, did you hear what happened at, uh, you know, uh, the fun house last night? There was, uh, some, Jot it up or something, you know what I mean? So, yes, yeah, I'm telling you. Oh, but I'm glad to hear that you know, you're like, in other words, it's like you you, you follow, it's like, okay, I'm, I might not understand how this works, but I know enough that I'm going to do what it tells me to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, I, you know, I don't claim to be a psychic by any stretch of the measures, believe me, I'm not, you know what I mean? And I would never say that I was, but. Gut feelings, vibes, all the time. I'll tell you, next time we talk, I'll tell you about what dragged me into the swamp one day. One day I was being pulled into the swamp. And I'll tell you what we discovered there when, next time we talk. And that's going to blow your mind, too, because that led to a whole bunch of different things happening at the house as well. So it's crazy okay, stuff. Okay, we, we, we have to take this up again. We have to, Al. <laughs> Just like, man, that's the cliffhanger. What is that? Yes, and I know nah, you've got a lot nah, of... Just... And we were talking before we were yeah. recording that we were talking about when you do things that happen, you know, the, all the weird stuff that... I know that this is like the tip of the iceberg with you, the story that you were talking about. So I know yeah. a lot more. Oh, my gosh. Don't worry. You know, I, I'll be getting in touch with you so we can set up a new date because I got... This is like part one, and this is... We're going to go to part two, you know, or the sequel. Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. I got... I got... 
so much stuff. And like I said, and like I said, we keep going back to Nuclear Lake. It is our hot spot. And every time we go there, we have something happen. Always something different. I mean, it's always Sasquatch related, mostly, except for like a dogman thing we had there. Fine. But I mean, every time we go, we go. So when we go, when we go to the sacred. Go there for Sasquatch. You know what I mean? That's what right. we're going there to see, to make contact with and stuff. And we'd always have, we'll always have success all the time. I've never and like. And I'm not bragging by any stretch of imagination, and I don't know if it's. Every time we go out, call the psychic and say, "Okay, what are we going to experience? Okay, you're going to experience this, Daniel." She said, "It's everything for me. This, Daniel. This." So we write it down. Okay, again, we take it with a grain. The matter that she's been right every single time for the last five years. We because we're from New York, we don't believe in psychics. You know what I mean? We take it with a, we take it with a grain of salt. We don't go there expecting to find this, right. that, or the other thing. We go there and we say we just let it roll. Let's see what happens. Which is the best and way to look at it. Every time, and every time we go there. We have so much. Everything we do, we always capture something. We always capture some kind of evidence. And there's always a point in the night where what she says is going to happen. Every single time she sucks, she's spot on. But we never go there expecting it. It's Let just, me ask you something, the, Al. Has she ever mindset. told you not to go? Have you ever said, hey, we're planning to go? Has she ever said, don't go? Like, this, this yeah, don't go this one time. You got time for a quick story? Yes. Okay, okay. We we have a monthly meeting. We have an evidence review meeting where we, we review our evidence. And we like to look at ever since these people found, like, we this guy in California, not only did he find this story evidence in one of our photos, he found a picture of a Sasquatch that we didn't even know we had. Okay? So now that he's done this, we have these – we review the old stuff just to see what we missed. Okay. So we're sitting in a meeting and we're throwing stuff around. Where do you want to go? You know, insane asylum. We got this insane asylum. We could go up to here. We, we got this, um, this uh, haunted mansion. We could go to there. And one of the guys says to me, he says, hey, he's like, he was at the time, he was like my research guy. He used to research everything. He says, his name was Alan. He says, hey, Al, I've been reading um, world World War II ammunition depots built in the side of this mountain in Ramapo, New Jersey. Now, it was called Ramapo, New Jersey because that was the name of the Native American tribe okay. back in the day. Okay? And what the Army did during World War II is they mined this giant mountain and they put like three or four of these ammunition um, uh depots in where they would store ammunition for the East Coast, okay? Okay, okay it's the East Coast. And he says he's been doing research on these ammunition mines, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy stories about homeless people living in them, people doing devil worshiping in them, and people seeing all kinds of stuff in these things. They had all kinds of experience. Maybe we should go there. I said, okay, let's put it on the to-do list. Sounds like a good plan to me, right? 
couple of days later, Psychic called. Always plan to do something. I never tell her what we're going to do. She always calls me up and she says, okay, I'm having these dreams. I'm having those dreams. I'm having these feelings. What do you guys got planned? What do you guys planning? <laughs> I'm having this crazy stuff going on in my dream. And I know it's got to do with you guys. Because we never tell her anything about the location the last minute, you know? Right. And so I tell her. I said, what's going on? She says, Al, I don't know, but I'm having these lucid dreams. They um, I'm in these dark tunnels. I don't know where I am, but I'm in a dark tunnel, and I see this creature come out of the darkness. I don't know what it is. I never seen anything like it before. Been through this one tunnel, but it chases me through three different tunnels. Oh my and it even even came here to my house. It chased me to my house. She was like, I don't know what the hell you guys plan on doing. I don't know where you plan on going, but whatever you're doing, so don't go. I said, Well, explain to me what you've seen. So she goes on to explain what she's seen in her dream. So I know what it is. She doesn't know what it is. I says, sounds like you're being chased by a Wendigo. She says, what the hell is a Wendigo? Wow. So I shoot her a photo of a Wendigo. <laughs> and she says, oh, my God, this is exactly what attacked me in my dream. She goes, where are you guys going? And she goes, is it Native American land? I said, well, yeah, it was at one time, but the rap, the rap. And she says, don't go. She said it was sacred land and it was violated. And when they violated, and I told her what they were, you know, ammunition, they deep of. And she goes, well, when the government, when the government dug these tunnels out in this, on this mountain, which was like a sacred mountain, and uh, Ramapo Indians, it, it, it cursed the land and this creek. Don't go. She goes, if you go, you guys are in, in danger. She goes, one of you or it's going to get either something attached to him or hurt really bad. She goes, you can't go to this place. She goes, promise me you won't go. And I said, listen, if you feel that strongly about it, yeah. I'm out. And I told Alan about it. I said, listen, Alan, I'm sorry. I know it was you, you wanted to go there. I says, but I can't put myself, my family, my team, you, your families in jeopardy. God forbid somebody gets hurt there. Or God forbid this thing attaches itself to somebody goes yes. back to someone's home with it. I was like, we can't go, you know. And he was disappointed, but he, you know, he respected my decision because, you know, he had small children too. You know what I mean? And nobody yes. wanted to yeah, uh, face off with a Native American, you know, demon. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, it's like okay. Yeah, that was the only time she told us never to go anywhere, and she was livid. She said it took it it took her a long time to get uh, that thing out of her dreams. You know what I mean? Um, she said because she because she's also an empath and she felt its energy for like a month. She said it was always there, like just waiting to come out. But she was blocking it. She blocked it enough where it wouldn't actually attack her in her dreams. But she could feel its energy just beyond that block behind her, the wall she put up. You know? Right. Right, right. But, you know, it dissipated over time. And, right, exactly. you know, we never went there. So, yeah, you know, she never had experience. Right. Yeah, that was the one, the first and only time she told us never to go somewhere. And we didn't. Good. 
I'm and sure. it's funny because every now and then somebody will you know what, man? We never, we've never hit those ammunition depots. We should, we should see if what Cindy says about it now. Maybe the energy has changed. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? We're, we're gonna let that go because she had nightmares for a month, and I'm not gonna put that on her again. You know? Right. And chances are that whatever was there is still there, especially if it's tied to the or it is. for whatever reason. And, and if people have done devil worshiping oh, there yeah. as well, you know. I mean, if it wasn't there when the, when the military built the thing, you know, by mm-hmm. de- disrespe- uh, degrading the land, you know, the, the yes. sacred Native American land, it's bad enough. But then you got kids going in there practicing, you know, Santa Gria or, you know, yes, what, yeah, just they, devil worship. You know what I mean? You know, they've amped I'm up. out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm going to need that on my head. You, you know what? what? What she described, I wouldn't go there. No, and we never have. <laughs> anyway, Al, thank you so, so very much for spending this time. It has been so fascinating, and you look for my 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 part two sequel interview with Al Santariga email because you're going to be getting that very soon because <laughs> you've got so many great stories and yeah, you know, um, I, 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 yeah, we, we we do a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm actually. Working on something new right now. We, we got a case came in uh, over the BPS hotline. Just okay. recently came in, and I'm and I'm working on something with um, a shaman right now. You know, just just started working on something new. So maybe by the next time we come, we could yes. even you know touch on that. You know. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I would love to hear about that. But anyway, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time. You you are, like I said, the subject matter is fascinating, but you tell it so well. So well, so I, I'm looking forward to having you come back. And I'm looking forward to coming back. I, I love it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it for having me. It's my no, pleasure. No, likewise. Take care. Yes, absolutely. Good night. Good night. Wow. You know what? It's almost like part of me is like, God, that nuclear lake. It's in New York. It's almost like I wish it was close by, but then at the other part of me is like, oh my God. I mean, that place sounds like a hotbed. It's like, okay, so pick what type of experience do you want to have? Let me tell you something. There's moments there that I think personally I would have run. I would have like, and I've I've seen and experienced a lot of things firsthand that yeah, I've stood my ground. I'm not saying that, you know, you do like a double take, like, all right, okay. But there was things going on there that he described that I don't know. I would have done like, okay, I think I'll go sit in the car and figure out what I'm going to do next. Yeah. And you know what? He's not the only person that I've spoken to that has um, believed that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want, cryptid sightings have a, what's the thing I'm looking for? Like an interdimensional or paranormal angle to them. I mean, I know there's uh, cryptid or Bigfoot investigators out there that believe in them, but see them strictly as uh, missing link, uh, whatever, but an animal or a human or whatever it is. But there's, in other words, there's no paranormal or mystical aspect to them. 
except the fact that they've been able to survive without being captured or any proof being brought forward. But besides that, you know, the, in other words, that uh, if they haven't been seen or captured is because, number one, they're really good at camouflage, and uh, number two, they're very stealthy, whatever. But again, no mysticism, no nothing. Strictly a physical being. But then I've spoken to other investigators who see that, but also see some type of correlation between sightings of either a Bigfoot Sasquatch or some other type of cryptid and uh, either extraterrestrial activity or what he was describing as far as uh, inter or intradimensional travel rips, doorways, portals. Uh, I mean, it's very interesting. I'm, some people, I've, I've heard of the theory that, you know, the, that, that Bigfoot or cryptids are basically brought or generated by extraterrestrials. I mean, we could go a million different ways on this. And, uh, and again, you know, part of what he's, I was describing there at Nuclear Lake was like, okay, we're here talking in unseen mystic world or we're talking here, uh, beings that, you know, people think of as fairy tales as in fairies, gnomes, uh, nature spirits that people personify. In other words, these are nature spirits that have a human, a human, uh, Featured, they're human-like. Even though, let me tell you something, everything I've always heard about this type of spirit, which they're not elemental, but they're, is that you have to be really, really careful with them. <laughs> Personally, I'm very careful around them. I've, I've had cases where there's been some aspect, and of course it's tied to the land, and by this I don't, I'm not strictly, strictly, calling it an, an elemental because it's not it kind of belongs in that realm but it's not and i'm still very very cautious around them very cautious around them because again it's almost like their behavior if you try to figure it out the way humans think of things Somehow or other, you're gonna you're gonna be wrong, so you you gotta be really 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 careful. In other words, in, in my book, and everybody's different. I know there's people out there that, uh, because it's nature, or you know, we call them elves and fairies and gnomes and other type of nature spirits or sprites or whatever. They they're very partial to them, and I understand the concept as far as nature that they're tied to the land or protection of the land. But anybody that's read anything about these types of beings know that you got to be very careful around them, especially if you don't want to offend them because it becomes a problem. And again, sometimes it's things that people do unknowingly. And then it's like, it's a problem. Or, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other show. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. There you could get links to the videos. 
you can get links to download the actual mp3 file for the podcast version of the show or links directly to podcast platforms where the show is hosted like Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. You can find stories of the supernatural on all of these different platforms. Recently, I launched a new version or new series here called Supernatural Storytime, which is all the different stories that I've gotten throughout the years. Uh, And from even recently about people having their own encounters their own experiences like i've been asking for my true believers which i still am so please if you have a story email it email it to me at marlene at mindghostchronicles.com uh you can write it whatever uh and this was the best way of some of the like i said some of the stories are really short because sometimes people just have these experiences let's say for example they lived in a house maybe a couple of years or months sometimes it's months or this is just like something that happened to them at a certain period of time. And they'll retell the story. So some of the stories are shorter. And again, sometimes there is no explanation. No explanation as to the root or the cause. No resolution because some people either they move away or it stops. I mean, there's a lot. Of, sometimes people have experienced hauntings where they never find out why that's happening there sometimes they do sometimes they do sometimes they somebody tells them or they sometimes they even know about it beforehand or of something that happened there and then later on you know they they start experiencing some unusual circumstances but again i'm uh supernaturalstorytime.com you can go there same thing uh this just started february 4th so there's going to be more of them coming out. And uh, and of course, I, I have a different series called NightShapedDiary.com, which is where I do some storytelling of a lot of either sci-fi, ghost stories, mysterious adventures, a lot of stuff that's out there that's, that's really fascinating and good storytelling, great storytelling. So again, guys... Um, I hope you subscribe to the channel, whether it's here on YouTube, on any of the podcast platforms, because that way you get uh, you get notified when I release a new show. Uh, and also, you know, if uh, again, I'm welcome any suggestions any of you may have for either a subject matter or a person that you would like to have me bring to the show because right now I've got a full roster of guests lined up for the show, okay? And they're all in and of themselves excellent, excellent, interesting guests, whether they're an author, an expert, people have had their own experiences like Al, uh, you know, personal experiences. And and then of course he's got his own paranormal team now, you know later on but you could tell that he's always been involved in this and which by the way Davey I've been to Davey and what he was describing I mean I mean I was born here in South Florida and grew up in South Florida so what he's describing about Davey is absolutely right during those years of the 1970s Davey was right on the western edge of Broward County Broward County is the county that sits just north of Miami-Dade and 
out there, it was it sat right on the edge of the Everglades. It was the western edge of the county. Uh, and like you described, you know, which is usually where they make, uh, and it was a, what they call horse country. A lot of people out there had horses, cattle. Davy, even even to recently, it was Davy was known as cowboy town. I mean, Davy has had, Davy has had that reputation for a really long time. So what he was describing, it was like he's that's an, a very accurate portrayal of Davy during those years. Uh, and um, I'm listening to those stories, and I mean, where I live right now, I'm on the very western edge of Dade County. Uh, I live only a few miles off the from the Everglades, east of the Everglades, and um, <laughs> I'm hearing those stories and. I, like all things, I think uh, cryptids are sometimes they cycle in and out uh, as you know, it's the cities grow further west in this case you know, the, the habitat changes food sources change uh, and let's face it the, 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 the population just becomes too dense for something like a Bigfoot or a skunk ape to visit even, and by the way, when he said that thing about that they would see an uptick in the sightings of a skunk ape during the hot weather, I was thinking of the Predator movie. Uh, the first one with uh, Arnold and how the girl that they bring along with them starts describing how they start seeing these, uh, these killings by the predator only when it was very very hot I was thinking boy okay there we go <laughs> but anyway guys again I've got fantastic uh, guests coming on please check out supernaturalstorytime.com if you want to hear the true believer stories it's more it's more geared towards a podcast version even though I do have it here uh, as a video podcast as well check it out I think you're gonna love it a lot of good stories from you guys true stories of encounters with just unknown stuff and again what can i say you are all wonderful take care for the ones going above and beyond for the ones reaching out helping out and lending a hand for the ones people count on you can count on granger granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.